1: Wild Turkey, same recipe since
0: 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Hi there hockey fans and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod PuckCast with Statsman and AJ brought to you by PropSwap. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is A.J. Scholz, a great follow at A.J. shoals 24 back in the co-host chair in Madison, Wisconsin, both of us dealing with nice sunny mornings here in our respective locales, so that's a good way to start. But we have more uh, news that we can share in common, and that is our teams got together on a trade last week, buddy, and uh, I've, been, I've been ripping you up and down because I think it's very one-sided, but you're going to make a case for the Penguins side of the deal I know let me go through it for the benefit of our fans who might not know all the details the Penguins will receive Kasperi Kapanen from Maple Leafs right winger who uh, played second and third line minutes here Jesper Lindgren a prospect on the defensive core uh, is another piece. And then Pontus Aberg, a guy who's been up and down from the minors and the NHL the last few seasons, a skilled player who really hasn't hasn't found his niche yet in the NHL, but may get an opportunity with the Penguins. I know you can make a case for him, too. The Leafs, on the other hand, I think they made out quite well here, to be honest. AJ, they get the first round pick of the the Penguins, which is 15th overall. So they were heading into the draft without a pick, and now they've got one. And uh, they picked up a uh, prospect in Philip. Hallander, who they had their eyes on for a couple of years, and uh, by my accounts, my research, he's the fourth highest rated prospect in the Penguins system, a center who's 20 years old with an offensive upside and a good two-way game, apparently. Then uh, th- there were a couple of fillers. The Leafs took on uh, Evan Rodriguez and David Warsowski. These guys have been fringe NHLers for a few years, and I don't figure that either of them factors into the Maple Leaf plans at all, but uh, they did take them back for whatever reason. AJ, uh, I think the Leafs won this trade in a big way. Getting, getting that draft pick a top prospect, as well as freeing up $3.2 million in cap space, depends. They, their case is that they get Kapanen to be a top six winger, the jury's out for me on that one. I want to hear what you have to say.
0: Well, so so here's the thing. I my contention here is that there doesn't have to be. We a lot of times trades get evaluated and who won and who lost the trade, and I think that's not the point of what we should be looking at. Did did the Maple Leafs get what they want? The Maple Leafs wanted a pick. The Maple Leafs wanted uh, some cap space. Those were probably the two primary things. They got a couple other things in Hollander. Honestly, Warsawski is an AHL filler. He'll spend the the entire season with the Marlies. So how much cap space they get depends on whether or not they re-signed Evan Rodriguez. Sounds like they're open to it based on uh, the comments from uh, the GM there. So the Maple Leafs got everything they want. And so I can understand why people think this was a great Um, great deal for the Maple Leafs and I certainly don't agree or don't disagree rather I I agree with that sentiment on the flip side though the Penguins got everything they wanted as well look let's talk about what they gave up a first round pick 15th overall you think that player was going to play this season absolutely not this isn't a team building for the future so the, the 15th overall pick doesn't mean much could they afford to pay Evan Rodriguez probably around a, a $2 million minimum, that's what his qualifying offer at least would be, to be a bottom six player for them? Absolutely not. So they can't really afford him anyway. Hollander is a maybe a difficult pick to give up, but a, a prospect to give up. But again, not playing this year. Warsowski not going to be in the, in the NHL with them anytime soon. So essentially, Pittsburgh's given up nothing that they were going to use this year. Certainly valuable stuff that the Maple Leafs are going to benefit from, but nothing that they were going to use this year. Instead, they get back Kasperi Kapanen, who uh, was the first pick uh, ever selected by our GM, Jim Rutherford. He was the first player he drafted when he came to Pittsburgh. Uh, a guy who is a right-handed shot, which is something that the Penguins don't really have on, on the right wing there. He's got speed, which is something that Sidney Crosby wants to play with. So he fits the exact mold of guys that we want on that right wing spot to play with Sidney Crosby. And we don't have anything like that right now. You could put Dominic Simone up there and he does a decent job, but he can't finish. Kasperi Kapanen, faults or not, whatever you think about him, Paul, from his time in Toronto, he's got more finishing touch than Dominic Simone. I mean, that's just a fact. There's no argument there. And so then we get a few other guys. Aberg, it sounds like, is going to play overseas this year, so he probably won't factor in. Lindgren comes in to bolster a somewhat weak D core uh, in terms of the prospects. You know, the Penguins aren't very deep on that side of the ice. So, look, I if you make me pick which team won the trade— I guess I would give the edge to the Maple Leafs. I certainly think they got some great value there, but this was not a bad deal for Pittsburgh. And the Pence fans that I've heard say that it was are insane because we're not building for the future. We're not – I don't care what the future brings. Oh, we don't have a 15th overall pick. Who cares? We're trying to win now. We have a few more seasons in which that's probably even remotely viable. So let's take advantage of what is presented to us. And I think this was a good deal for both sides.
1: You know what? I feel better for Penguins fans after hearing you. I'll say that, AJ, making the case for what each team benefited from is probably a, a more balanced way of looking at it than I I came out abruptly and said that the Leafs won this tra- trade in a big way. I still think they will over the long haul, but your your point is right in terms of the window of opportunity for Pittsburgh. It's win now, so getting a guy who they think can, can solve their conundrum of who can fill in that spot on the right wing with, with Crosby, he could be the answer there, but uh, I caution Penns fans. I've watched this guy disappoint offensively for too long in my in my. Uh, tenure as a Leaf fan, and uh, maybe he, maybe their magic happens with Sid the Kid. I, I hope for you and the Pen- Penguins fans it does, but I have my reservations there, pal. Uh, in other news, I was happy to see the NHL fine Columbus head coach John Tortorella, 25k, for his conduct during his final availability following the club's last playoff game. John, you didn't make the rules answer the damn questions that's my position aj i think he was rather way way too abrupt in the final press conference i mean it's been a bit of a joke in the media how long his press conferences last but in the season ender he was asked a couple of questions and then then he kind of blew everybody off and stormed the stage and uh, that's no way to conduct yourself uh, at any time Uh, but a media availability is is exactly what it says you're supposed to make yourself available and he really didn't throughout the playoffs and I'm glad he finally got
0: burned in the wallet. Well, I think to say he finally got burned at, at, in the wallet is, is, uh, an interesting phrase when you consider <laughs> the fact, um, that, you know, John Tortorella, um, I'm, I'm bringing up some stats that, that I found, uh, from an article. I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, it's by Aaron ports of the athletic wrote an article about John Tortorella and getting suspended. So go check that out. But a couple of things that came out of that, um, this is the fifteenth time John Tortorella has been fined or sanctioned <laughs> uh, or, or suspended. He's had three suspensions, including the fifteen-game suspension for when he tried to get into a locker or a uh, locker room brawl with the Flames uh, head coach. Go check that out on on uh, YouTube. That's a hilarious uh, little segment there. Uh, interestingly, in terms of the the fines, he's been fined a total of one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars over the course of his career. In multiple stops Uh, the most interesting thing i thought a median value home in ohio is hundred and fifty two thousand dollars so you can literally buy a house in the state of ohio for less than what john tortorella has been fined i I think the other interesting thing is he shouldn't have been surprised by this because he was essentially on probation back in january they issued him a twenty thousand dollar fine for criticizing the officials and then they basically gave him This $25,000 conditional fine basically saying you need to, you know, keep your nose clean for a year essentially, or we're going to hit you with this. And this kind of bubbled over. (laughs) It only lasted eight months of his conditional year, and four and a half of that was spent without hockey being played. So um i I, it's a great article i I really encourage people to go check it out if you're interested at all again aaron port's line of the athletic but uh yeah so i mean should we really be surprised by this does he really care obviously the answer is no i will say this paul i agree with you on this fine i i'm okay with the fact that they're gonna find guys um for, for not doing media availability because essentially that's part of your job. It's what you're getting paid for to do media availability. And so if you don't do your job, any of us could have this happen to us. If you don't do your job, you either get fired or, or have some other type of sanction, and that's just the way it is. What I don't actually agree with is fines for criticizing officials. If the officials suck in a game, coaches should be able to say, hey, the officials suck. I, I, we see this across <laughs> sports. I don't know why, it, it, why there's this protection of coaches not being able to talk out against the offici- officiating. If the, if, if the ref had a bad game, they should be able to say, the ref had a bad game so uh you know i'm not a john tortorella defender by any stretch of the imagination but that is one thing he's gotten fined for repeatedly where i, I personally don't really agree with i think they should be allowed to speak their mind on on that stance
1: well i love it that you're bringing the heat so quickly the, and early in the show uh you seem fired up and that's great because uh, <laughs> it makes for a better show when we got some emotion going here and i meant what i said uh, in a different way though the 25k was a long time coming in this playoff he's he's repeatedly had the shortest press conferences of any coaches and i fi- it finally cut up to him here and adds to a litany of that sort of thing and i agree with you there's some great clips about uh, his his behavior in in the press with the press and uh uh, well, that's one of the reasons why I hope he continues to hang around the NHL. It's it's always entertaining when the microphone gets in front of his face, and uh, so we'll probably see more of that. And it probably will cost him more down the road too. No surprises. <laughs> we mentioned off the top we have a new sponsor in Prop Swap AJ. The smart sports better knows where to find the best off off season off for placing a bet that's why we always use prop swap ourselves do you think the bruins or flyers can bounce back well you know the bruins can't because they're eliminated but the flyers might still be able to and win the stanley cup they're heavily discounted future tickets up for for uh, the flyers available on prop swap right now if you're if you're thinking of capitalizing it's obvious prop swap customers always find the best odds because you're buying directly from other bettors just like yourself. Come join us. PropSwap is the edge you've been searching for. Don't delay. Go to PropSwap.com today. AJ, uh, on today's show, we're going to review what's happened in the conference semifinals to date. Before we do, could you please remind our listeners of our contact information?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we like to interact with, with all of our listeners on social media there. So if you have Uh, questions uh, about hockey, fantasy hockey, uh, DFS lineups, any sort of topic there. We're happy to answer those uh, for you on social media. Uh, You can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul, the statsman, at Statsman22. Paul, before we dive in, though, one kind of breaking news story coming out. Looks like Sidney Crosby yesterday had wrist surgery, uh, is only a three to four Week absence there, but kind of big news that just came out this morning. So I figured I'd give you a chance to talk about it. I'm not worried about it, given that timeline. We probably won't have penguin hockey or maple leaf hockey, for that matter, until closer to November. But uh, that is kind of late breaking news uh, early this morning.
1: That's a shocker for me. But you know that Sid the Kid will be ready when the real, real shooting starts for next season. Four weeks. Uh, there's not going to be any hockey played until I think early December at the earliest so he's got plenty of time to heal but it just goes to show you we don't know about a lot of the injuries that that happened in the playoffs Uh, a lot of it's kept hush hush even in Montreal there was news with uh, Gallagher uh, sporting two injuries a hip tear and and another injury that required some some medical intervention too so uh, uh, Sid the kid and Gallagher they're two of a number of warriors that fight through a lot of stuff day in day out in the playoffs and we only find out bits and pieces of that news when uh, when their runs are over. So uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're not concerned. Neither am I for his health. Sid's, uh, Sid the Kid is a pro and uh, one of the elite league's elite, obviously. And uh, he's got plenty of time to heal. So I don't think there needs to be any panic or concern in your corner for sure. But thanks for sharing that. Let's go through the four series, AJ. There's three remaining. Uh, one of them was solved last night. We'll start with that one. The Boston Ruins and Tampa Lightning. Look, when this series started... I thought that the Bruins would have the advantage because uh, these teams match up well when their lineups are full and the Lightning still without Steve Stamkos continue to deliver the goods in terms of playing that, that style of play that they've upped their game physically to match the Bruins and their skill seemed to be a little bit too much for the Bruins to handle in this series and uh, a tower of power on the back end. Victor Hedman was uh, delivered the decisive blow last night in overtime in a 3-2 win, but the guy was amazing throughout this series, productive offensively and a stalwart in his own end. Uh, uh, Apart from one game that was a blowout in game three, a 7-1 stomping by the Lightning that really cemented their hopes in this series, in my estimation, this was a really hard-fought set. Uh, even though it only went five games, AJ, what were your observations in this in this series?
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of close games that, the, you know, game two goes into overtime. Uh, game five last night goes into double overtime. So, yeah, certainly a close series. Uh, I, I think what's uh, interesting, uh, Paul, I think you and I essentially got hoodwinked by by Boston. They yeah. they were bad in the play in the uh, round robin games. So I think both of us were on Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Then they uh, they get past them in in pretty convincing fashion. They did a good job, and so both of us ended up on Boston. We essentially got hoodwinked by them twice here, um, you know. And and some of it is, as you said, the fact that uh, Steven Stamkos remains out, but Braden Point um, has really been leading the charge. Six goals, twelve helpers. Andre Pallad has been filling in uh, admirably. Nine points in, in his 13 games. So um, I cannot imagine what this team is going to look like if they happen to get Stamkos back and healthy. No real indication on on what that you know could look like. The one kind of danger of that maybe is that they've got chemistry right now. They're rolling with what they what they're putting out there. And so does Stamkos, you know, returning actually shake things up too much. it's hard to imagine the team would get worse having him out there. I I certainly don't want to suggest that, but um, you know, it's something to consider. What, what do line combinations look like? Does it affect kind of how guys are rolling right now?
1: And the the latest news on Stamkos, for what it's worth, uh, that we have is that he hasn't even started practicing with the club, so very little information on on his health and and the outlook. So, uh, please uh, spin back to Rotowire and take a look at the the depth charts that we put out. AJ's part of a team that looks after that, and we're just not getting any information though on on his health. And until he shows up at practice, uh, we shouldn't expect a change in that status but uh, you might also be concerned about Nikita Kucherov, AJ. One of the things that I alluded to off the top was Zdeno Chara uh, when we were talking off air. I've I've been a little bit disappointed with his antics with his stick for a couple of years now, and he may have gone out in his last game with another example of that where he high-sticked Kucherov, earning a double minor, and if you saw the clip, it was like right out of Wrestling 101 where where he high-sticks Kucherov, but then all of a sudden his knees his own knees buckle and he collapses like he's been shot so <laughs> i i don't know what was in chara's head with that instant instance and i i do know that he's been rather careless with his stick for a number a couple of years now and you you know you made the case the guy's a giant and even if he holds his stick at his waist it's up at somebody else's ears most of the time anyway so he's got that that issue to deal with on a regular basis i get that but way too careless last night and uh, it might be the end of the line for the for the 43-year-old captain of the Bruins. Uh, one of their other players, David Krejci, another part of that veteran core, suggested that this team's window is closing. They, he figures they got up to three years left with this core. I don't see it that way. I think the window is a lot more closed than open right now for the Boston Bruins. And uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I think we might have seen the last game from, uh, from the big... Uh, big captain of the Bruins. And uh, he goes out as uh, he'll go down as the third best defenseman in Boston history. And that's not a bad thing when the other two guys are fellows named and Bork.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be certainly interesting to see. Some of it, I think, depends on on what they can do in other places. You know, they've got um, a youngster in Connor Clifton who's transitioning next season to uh, a one-way deal. So you would anticipate he'll be there full time. Um, a modest pay bump for him. They're going to have to give Matt Grizelchik uh, some some extra money. He's making 1.4 right now, um, and then whether or not they can get Tory Krug to come back. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. If you know, let's assume for a minute that Chara wants to keep playing. The first question is whether he wants to or not. But let's assume he he is interested in returning does is boston able to afford him and tory krug with a flat cap i'm just not sure that the numbers are there uh in terms of their their blue line spend to make that work if they can't get tory krug to resign then do you potentially keep chara just an established guy that you know that knows the system i I could certainly see a case for that um but if you are able to resign krug then maybe the money is not there what i think we should you know know for certain is i don't foresee a situation in which char would sign for any other club so i imagine that you know if he wants to come back and Boston says, "Hey, we don't have the money for you." Then I think the decision's made for him, uh, and and he'll hang it up. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the Krug deal, AJ. But a sneak peek from me uh, on the cap-friendly website shows that they have 20 players signed next year. They're they've spent they're committed to 66 million dollars. That leaves them about 15 million dollars. I don't think they're going to pay Tory Krug all of that, but I'm certain that he could get at least half if he really. Pushes things, and that would push him to the top of the salary scale with the Bruins. So, I do think there is an opportunity for, for them to retain Krug, and and I think they're pointed in that direction. I don't think it'll take more than seven or eight to to lock him up for the foreseeable future in in the bees colors. That's that's my early thought on that situation. But with the with the off season shaping up as one where a lot of teams are going to be really cash strapped, maybe the Bruins Bruins go a different way and uh, spread their money out over a number of players uh, since they have more cap space than most of the other teams heading into this offseason the way I see it anyway. But uh, certainly the post mortems mortems for the Bruins will continue and uh, I note that uh, their core gets a year older and uh, the likes of Krejci, uh, Bergeron, Marchand, that's that's these guys that really are frontliners here with another year on the calendar in the books and uh, this is a younger man's game so the Bruins I think their their window of opportunity is quickly closing it'll be curious to see how they address their needs to bolster that uh, that offense the the perfection line needs some help in terms of depth scoring there and uh, they've been carrying too much of the load for too long the Bruins need to address that so I can see them rather than spending a ton on a guy like Tory Krug maybe they go for a three or three five million dollar contracts on some other forwards that might be a free agents in the off season that bolster that offense give them more balance but I think we saw the the lightning emerge as really the class of the Eastern Conference in this postseason uh, with their performance in this series and the, the dimension of physicality that they added really a determining factor in this outcome Take us through your observations of the Islanders and the Flyers series, AJ. To date, we've seen we've seen four games in that set. Game five goes tonight.
0: Yeah, I think what we're what we've seen uh, primarily out of the Islanders has been uh, solid net minding out of Simeon Varlamov. He's really been uh, on top of his game for for most of this series. Yes, he gave up four uh, in in Game Two to the Flyers, but otherwise he's been pretty steady for them. Um, we've seen basically a lot of the same guys contributing that we have uh, throughout throughout the, the postseason for, for the Islanders. They've got goals, and, uh, you know, Pajot, Anders Lee, um, you know, Bailey's been chipping in. Uh, so they're getting solid production. I think, you know, at this point, uh, I think it would be hard to make an argument that any addition to a playoff team has been better than Jean-Gabriel Pajot for the Islanders. Uh, that, that really has... Um, been a huge pickup for them and really has uh, you know contributed to their offense we talked before the series started that everybody talks about the Islanders defense and they're certainly good at it um, but they've got guys that can score and have been putting up goals right now and we continue to not really see um, you know it, Couturier's kind of figured it out a little bit but um, you know overall the top guys for the Flyers just haven't been there um, the way you would expect them to be in this series, and un- unfortunately for them, uh, Carter Hart has looked human. He hasn't looked bad by any stretch of the imagination, but you know you've you've got your goalie coming down back to, back down to earth. Claude Giroux still just five assists in 13 games. I mean, really a poor postseason for him.
1: And you know, you pointed out the production uh, offensively for Peugeot, four goals in six games. But looking at the game logs for Varlamov really tells another story in terms of the way the the Islanders keep a lid on the other team's offense. In th- only three of their last his last twelve starts has he allowed even three goals against. So it's been two or less in nine of those twelve games. That's remarkable and a testament to the the Islanders' shut down ability that they've dis- they've displayed throughout this postseason. So. Key element to the to their success, the balance scoring that you're suggesting. Pajoa playing a third line role here behind Nelson and uh, their star Barzal. That's a pretty good looking depth at center situation. Always something that I look at. And uh, look, the, the team's season unraveled in my estimation when when uh, when they with their shutdown defenseman. Adam Pellick went down. He's been back in the lineup now, partnered with Ryan Pollock, and it's no coincidence that this team's got their defensive game in order in line with the return of of Pellick to the lineup here, bringing that stability to the top four defensemen in the Islanders setup there. So between a a productive and, and capable offense that's deep and a solid defensive structure. This looks like a team that's firing on all cylinders right now at the top of their game, and and the Flyers are just barely hanging on. Tonight's a critical contest for them, of course, to try and stay alive. And if they could win it, then maybe they do plant a seed of doubt. But uh, I, I see nothing to indicate uh, otherwise, other than Islanders win eventually in this series, and uh, that's a that's a testament to the defensive structure and commitment of this team, augmented by the nice offensive diversity that they've shown as well. We switch over to the western conference a j and uh, the the power in the Western Conference is very visible in this series when I look at the Vegas Golden Knights and the way that they have uh, have handled the Vancouver Canucks so far in this set we've seen four games here as well, and they're matching up in game five and I think it's hard for me to make a case that Vancouver extends this series, but uh, i I continue to be surprised a little bit by the fact that Robin Leonard continues to get the starts here and and uh, and hold on to the net he's got two shutout wins in this series to be sure but there's been a couple other efforts where you can say he's allowed enough uh, in terms of goals against to to make the case that maybe Marc-Andre Fleury does get another sniff here that's that's maybe the the only issue that they have because as I said their offense is on fire Max Pacioretty leading the way he chipped in two goals and, and an assist in the last game for instance but has been enjoying a very nice playoff they've got fantastic production out of their defense core, uh, offensively as well, which we highlighted. Uh, Shea Theodore, particularly, has been uh, a dynamo in these playoffs and really keying the the Vegas offense from the back end. So, uh, really, they're kind of overwhelming, the Canucks, who have have, uh, shown well in terms of their top six production. Bo Horvat and uh, Elias Pettersson have been outstanding in these playoffs, but I think that that the depth of the Knights and... uh, the firepower that they have is just a little bit too much for for Vancouver to handle
0: well here's my take on the on the goaltending situation you know coming off that that 5-2 defeat in in game two I think uh you know I I don't have any insider information but I got the feeling that Marc-Andre Fleury was probably going to play game three then uh the league uh the players decided to uh you know uh protest and and not play those those two nights worth of games credit to them for making that choice i'm sure that wasn't an easy decision um and i think what happened was i think that that the setup changed because of the shift in games there that um now they were heading into a back-to-back uh, Lerner was given uh, uh, Lerner was given a few extra days to maybe get his head right, get you know put that game behind him, and then he goes out and, and blanks Vancouver uh, with the shutout in, in Game Three. Now credit to uh, Pete DeBoer for sticking to his guns with the back to back, and you know even though you've got an, one guy who just made you know thirty one of thirty one saves, he did go with Flurry. Uh, in the second game of that back-to-back and I think Flurry put together a, a decent outing certainly not uh, you know not award winning by any stretch of the ima- imagination but gave up just you know three goals on 31 shots got them the win and I do want to circle back to give credit where credit is due uh, Thomas Grice actually a uh, similar situation he took game four for their back-to-back so it hasn't been all Simeon Varlamov uh, on, on the for the Islanders there either so uh, that's just my read on what the goaltending situation shook out to be I'd be surprised if we don't see Leonard tonight just because you know as you said he's got a pair of shutouts in this series
1: AJ there's only one Canadian team left in this set and, and that's the Vancouver Canucks I want to talk about their situation for a minute and get your slant I mean we've seen some real growth in Bo Horvat's game in these playoffs he's ne- the the captain of this club And one of the better captain's uh, team leaders in the NHL is what he's emerging into. But Marcus Pedersen. I think this guy's got superstar written all over him that's that's not news folks he's been showing it ever since he came into this league and on defense they got Quinn Hughes and and uh, Alex Edler two of the better offensive defensemen in the game so there's a lot to feel really optimistic about in Vancouver and they made some smart deals to augment their top six as well uh, they're headed in the right direction uh, AJ and where, where I panned the Boston Bruins as their window being closed I think the Vancouver Canucks were just starting to see it open up now and they've got uh, they've a lot of boxes when you think of, of their roster and the makeup and Jacob Markstrom in the Nets is another guy whose game is elevated and now he ranks easily as one of the top ten goalies in the league so you know I'm not writing the obituary for the Canucks just yet they're just in a little bit over their heads against the Vegas Knights and, and they've acquitted themselves well enough to to earn some accolades but I think the future is bright for the Canucks uh, what say you about Canada's last representative in these playoffs?
0: Well, I'll start by saying, well, I'm sure Pittsburgh's Marcus Pedersen is is appreciative of your uh, praise <laughs> there. Uh, I'm sure you meant Elias Pedersen. Yeah, I did. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but yes, I, I think all things are are looking up for for Vancouver right now. Look, last week we talked about the fact that they needed to get um, they needed to get you know to Foley or, or Furland back, uh, and what happened that night to fully goes off for one goal two assists, uh, has racked up other points, uh, you know, along the way here. And so really that was a big key for them being, um, you know, competitive here, uh, four points through his three games back, two of those have come on the power play. Um, so you've got, you know, kind of all combinations of, of guys clicking right now, whether they can hold everything. Look, I, I don't think they're going, you know, super far. Uh, you know, I, They might still be able to get past uh, Vegas. I certainly, I picked them in seven games. uh, So we'll see. But even if they don't, I think everything's looking up for them next year. They've got a couple of, you know, question marks. Can they convince Toffoli to come back? Um, Can they afford him? You know, that's certainly going to be part of it too. Chris Tanev, what, you know, what can they do for a contract for him? And then obviously, right now the only netminder they have under contract next season is thatcher demko what do they do there so there's there's certainly questions for them but as you said paul everything's looking up they're kind of in this sweet spot right now where you know you've got alex edler is 34 years old um you know brandon sutter is 31 um so you've got guys kind of on the back half but they still got some left in the tank a couple more years under contract and then, as you pointed out, you know, Besser, 23, Horvat 25, um, you know, the the Patterson, 21, Adam Gaudette, 23. Um, so really a, a young up and coming core. If, if I'm a Vancouver fan, I'm, I'm really excited about what the future holds. And part of that, too, uh, is the fact that you are going to finally have that huge uh, impending rivalry uh, with Seattle as well. I know in soccer, in MLS, they're, they're big uh you know, big rivals, and I expect that to carry over into hockey as well. AJ, the final series
1: that we got to look at in this round is Dallas and Colorado, and boy, you know, gone are the days, it seems like, when one goalie can carry a team through this this playoff grind we're seeing a real mess in terms of the goaltending circumstances for both clubs largely driven by injuries and uh, we'll get to that story in a sec but this has been a rather high scoring affair and if you would have told me that in a high scoring series after five games dallas would be leading this set i would have thought you're out of your mind against the the colorado avalanche when i look at some of the game logs for some of the avalanche stars like nate Nate mckinnon he's playing video game hockey in this playoff (laughs) aj when when you look at some of the mathematics, I mean, I do the daily matchups for RotoWire, and I'm seeing like 18 points in the last 10 games. That's got to be a, a mistake. I, but you go through the game logs, and the points are there, not only for him, but his line mates are Renton and, and Landeskog, and then, you know, Toronto's uh, expat. Uh, Tasm Cattery is having an outstanding playoff for them too despite the fact that he had a couple of brain cramps that led to penalties and and some power play goals against in a recent outing he's he's more than carried the load as a second line center there really fitting that situation admirably and and helping propel this this team to great heights but Dallas has matched matched this team and more so far in the postseason with some scoring outbreaks of their own and uh, and a lot of it has been generated from the back end to Klingberg and Heisken and having an outstanding run for them. But Nichushkin, Faxa, Hintz, gurianov the youngsters on this team are really answering the bell. For me, it's the likes of, of Sagan and uh, Pavelski that really haven't done as much as I expected in this series. It's the younger guys that are carrying the load for Dallas. and and uh, But the net mining, it just seems like who's going to last? Who's going to finish out this series? We saw Brian Bishop Ben Bishop, make his debut in the series, he got clobbered in 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 last game, allowing five goals and four goals in a first period start and so I just wonder where do they turn in their next set at least they have options of NHL caliber the avalanche are down to their third string goalie in Michael Hutchinson I saw that that show in Toronto and believe me it's a nightmare the guy is not <laughs> uh, the guy is simply not an NHL caliber goalie so the abs have to find a way to continue to outscore the stars to stay alive in this set but I can't I can't expect that they would be happy about pinning their hopes on on uh, uh, the guy who who has been so poor uh, I'll say it bluntly he hasn't hasn't played well this season at all uh, for the Maple Leafs when he was there and didn't look I mean he wasn't tested in the game let's face it they had a five nothing lead so it was coasting to the finish line they they gave up only they had less than 10 shots against uh, late in the second period of that game too so uh, they really shielded him very very well they're gonna have to continue to do that because if you get 30 shots on him you're gonna get five goals against
0: yeah I mean you you know once they did pick up the the shooting there he ended up giving up three goals on on 34 shots Look, you're talking about a guy that's played 28 NHL games over the last three seasons for four different teams. I mean, there's guys don't move around, you know, especially net miners, Guys don't move around that much when things are going well. Let's let's just leave it at that. So you're right. The goaltending situation, uh, the goaltending situation in Colorado is bleak. The goaltending situation in Dallas is mind-boggling. <laughs> I get that Anton Kudobin's numbers through the first four games of the series haven't been great. Uh, you're looking at a 3.52 goals against average, a .899 save percentage. Look, those aren't those aren't stellar numbers. I, there's no way to sugarcoat it. But the other side of that number is 3-1. and one. You're talking about a guy that did enough to get you three wins through the first four games, and then ben bishop's healthy enough to play for the first time in two weeks so you put him out there i mean that honestly that call made no sense to me um in in that in that decision i I get ben bishop is you know not really arguably is clearly the the better netminder when all things are equal and you know everybody's healthy but you've got a guy doing enough to get you wins and look Honestly, a 3.52 goals against average is probably okay against Colorado, given what they have in terms of offensive firepower, Um, you know, and even going back to to the Calgary series. You know, he closed it out with three straight wins to get them past um, past Calgary. And so I I just I don't understand the choice there. And so um, net mining will continue to be a talking point, I think, for this series heading into the remaining games here. Um, Obviously, Colorado needs somebody to get healthy because you're right, Paul, Michael Hutchinson is not the answer, but maybe they can ride him long enough to just let, you know, uh, Rantanen, Landeskog, and McKinnon just light it up. um, And we're going to have, you know, high scoring games and and maybe Colorado can pull out a couple more shootout wins here.
1: Well, and they're going to have to take this series because Dallas does have a 3-2 lead, but To your point, we've seen a lot of offense, particularly in the west side of this bracket. And can you just imagine if Vegas and Colorado line up against one another in the final? We could see a record for goals in a seven-game series. I think that would would go a long, long distance. I don't think there's a short series left in these playoffs for on either side so the prospect of a high scoring shootout in the west remains and I'll, I'll say it no matter what teams survive because Dallas has shown they can go goal for goal with Colorado and, Colorado and then some so we can expect uh, more offense in these in these playoffs than than uh, defensive acumen I'll say which brings us now to our uh, FanDuel segment, partner. We've got two games on the docket tonight. The Islanders and the Flyers meet in Game 5. Vancouver and Vegas are the nightcap, and uh, teams are facing elimination in these matchups, so there'll be a lot of emotion on display and I think a lot of offense, too. Uh, why don't you take us through what the Optimizer has lined up in terms of the matchups?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So right off the top, I, I want to point out that, you know, again, we talked about this last week, the, the Optimizer uh, on the short Short slates doesn't necessarily rule the goaltender out. Um, uh, uh, if you're stacking another team, I think the reason, especially we're seeing that for tonight, it's the optimizer has a full four-player Vancouver stack, but it's also going to use uh, three Vegas players. And I'll tip the hand here. Robin Leonard is the the recommended netminder at 8700. And part of that is because the over under in this game is six and a half. That's, that's really high for most hockey games come in at five and a half. Occasionally you get a six, occasionally you get a five, but six and a half is pretty high in terms of the over under. So you don't see it that often. And that's why the optimizer, I think in part, there's a whole number of factors that go in, but in part, I think that's why you're seeing so many Vancouver and Vegas players Um, going into the optimizer so without further ado uh, it starts off with a pair of Vancouver guys at center the optimizer wants to use Pedersen at 7400 and Bull Horvat at 6500 they play together on that top power play unit Uh, certainly uh, worth a, a look there in terms of the wingers Starts off with Mark Stone at 7,400, Jonathan Marchessault at 6,400. Uh, again, both of those guys playing together on the number one power play unit, even though they're not on the same uh, even strength lines. Uh, Optimizer will go back to Vancouver with Brock Besser. Uh, tentatively set for a third line role right now based on you know recent combos. But again, he's on that power play unit with Pedersen and Horvat. And then rounds it out. Uh, With uh, James Van Riemsdyk, thirty five hundred for the Flyers. Uh, The the kind of intriguing part about Riemsdyk, you look at our projected uh, draft utilization for him uh, for FanDuel tonight, and he's coming in at eight point seven one. So we're not anticipating a lot of guys to use him, but he's cheap. He's on a power play unit, and and certainly there's an argument there that can you know for him. Uh, defensively, Ryan Pollock for the Islanders, forty nine hundred. Again, a guy with top power play minutes. Alex Edler as our last uh, Vancouver option. He's put up plenty of points along the way uh, and should play plenty of minutes. Forty six hundred for him. So really, uh, Edler is pretty cheap compared. You know, when you think about your defensive options and, and what he has to offer uh, offensively. And then, as I said, Robin Leonard is the, the netminder of, of choice here for the optimizer.
1: And AJ, a part of the getting things right on a short slate like this, you got to get the winning team. Uh, if you pick the loser, there's n- almost no way that you can win in FanDuel when it's such a small slate on the hockey side. That's been my experience over years of play. Uh, so I'm going to look at this and say, I think Vegas eliminates Vancouver so I'm going to go heavily on the Vegas side and I think the Flyers are going to live to fight another day so I'm going to lean on the Flyers in that matchup and it's reflected in the picks that I made at the center ice position for instance I go with the the top line of the Vegas Golden Knights here and so that means Willie Carlson uh, gets the nod and it cost me $5,800. I think that's cheap considering he's the the center for their number one unit. So I'm happy to get him in there. And Kevin Hayes has had a very nice playoff playing second line minutes. The second line for the Flyers has outplayed the first one, in my opinion, in large stretches of this postseason. And I think if they're gonna stay alive, it's gonna be on them to lead the attack again tonight. So I get him for 5,400. So I spend just a shade over $11,000 to get my two centers into tonight's game. That means that I can go big on the wing and I do with uh, the rest of the Vegas top line. I put Pacioretty and Stone in there. Uh, Pacioretty comes in at $7,900, one of the more expensive wingers on the slate, and Stone right behind him at $7,400. So after that, I have to save some money, and I'm looking at Travis Konechny, who has had a bit of uh, an ordinary playoff run so far, but I think tonight he shows up and he gives good value for his $4,800 price tag. And yeah, I'm obliged to pick one player from one of the other two teams just because there's a rule against having a minimum of three teams represented in the FanDuel slate so the guy that I pick from the Islanders is Jordan Eberle who's had a very nice playoff and he's uh, projected to get 11 and points on an average FanDuel night so I'll take that for $5,200 to round out my offense then on the back end I took a couple of defensemen who've had also had very nice playoffs so far Ivan Provorov playing second line minutes but also anchoring the power play for the Flyers is going to be my defenseman at $5,400 to lead the Flyers attack tonight, and then I go with Vegas, and I'd love to get Shea Theodore in, but I can't afford to do that with the money that I've spent, so I've got to go with the second best option, who's not, who's been pretty solid too offensively, and that's Nate Schmidt, so I grab him for $4,700 to round up my squad and I got to get the winning goalie right so it's one of the two teams that I'm suggesting will win tonight uh, and that means Carter Hart 7700 dollars is the guy that gets the nod for me and then that's AJ how different does your team look do you agree with my picks on the on the outright winners tonight overall as well
0: yeah so uh some some definite uh you know uh matchups uh, some consistencies here between us and and some differences i'm i'm going to go with the islanders tonight Um, And so to that end, uh, I don't uh, I don't have any of the the flyers in my lineup. So for me, um, I went with uh, I went with the second line. I've been touting them all postseason long. The second line for the Islanders that starts with Brock Nelson at 6300 in the center position, uh, Bolivia 6300 on the wing and then Bailey. Uh, Forty nine hundred on on the other wing. Uh, I agree with your call about the the Vegas uh, top line. So I'm using all three of those same guys: Carlson, Patcharreddy, and Stone. Uh, defensively, my my outlier, my non uh, you know Golden Knight non Islander is Chris Tanev, thirty seven hundred. Has been putting up okay numbers. I expect, uh, you know, drafted percentage on him to be pretty low. Um, I did uh, admittedly kind of punt on the on the D here, trying to find, um, you know, stack up some some wingers. So I've got Alex Martinez, thirty nine hundred. So spending pretty low on my my defense, but I think both guys have some value. They they should see uh, maybe get, grab some opportunities with the power play and then in the nets. I have Simeon Varlamov. Look, uh, if if you get nothing else from this, I personally don't think you should touch either Netminder in that Vegas-Vancouver matchup. Uh, the reason, you know, that over-under is at six and a half for a reason. So we're going to see a lot of goals, I think, in that game. Conversely, you have a whole goal less in terms of the over-under for the Islanders-Flyers matchup at 5.5. So uh, for me, I would pick one of those two guys personally um you know paul you you've got carter hart winning i've got uh, varlamov winning but i think those either one of those guys is probably the better choice given how many goals we could see in the other game
1: yeah i like that call and it factored into my decision as well i don't want to give see my goalies give up four or five goals even if they win the game that's going to hurt my my chances of finishing the winner's circle so that factored into my decision I think we're going to see a much lower scoring game on the other side and and that's why I leaned on on the Flyers pick in that one AJ in terms of final thoughts I have a couple of them and I want your reaction I think for me a pair of teams are finally looking like the class of the field in the postseason uh, I really like what I've seen out of Tampa the resilience of getting by without their captain getting by is an understatement. They look outstanding in these playoffs once the serious shooting got got underway and and uh, Victor Hedman's been uh, the class of the the league I'll say on the eastern side of of the of the standings in the postseason and the performances that I've seen to date leading this team uh, in exemplary fashion at both ends of the ice and uh, I so I think they are the cream of the crop in the in the in the east For me in the Western Conference, AJ, it's uh, Vegas Golden Knights with Theodore and Schmidt anchoring a defense that has been sound uh, defensively, but really powerful offensively, and that just supports the firepower that we've seen throughout the playoffs of their top two lines. I think it's the best six-pack in the league offensively on that side of the ledger, and they're simply outscoring the opposition to death in the postseason, and I think that no matter who emerges from the other matchup, the Vegas will roll them in the next round and, and wind up in the Stanley Cup final. So that's the two teams that I figure wind up ov- uh, in the Stanley Cup matchup. Are you prepared to make that similar call or do you have other teams that you're looking at that might emerge
0: yeah i mean i i I think what is going to be a very intriguing matchup potentially if if we get there is going to be the islanders against the lightning if if that ends up being the matchup because look these teams could not be built more differently in terms of what they're trying to do on the ice so uh, i really think that'll be an interesting matchup I don't. I don't know that it's as shut and in, in close of a case. Um, I, honestly, if, if you're gonna make me make me pick right now, it ter- in terms of the team coming out of the East, I actually think I might pick the Islanders at this point. Um, in terms of the West, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Vegas is should certainly be considered the favorite um you know if if Colorado can pull off the comeback against Dallas uh they'll certainly make that a series against against Vegas but uh there there's no um yeah there's no team I would pick other than Vegas so for me uh if I'm picking a cup final right now I've got uh, New York against Vegas
1: wow that would be interesting I don't think that uh, it's the final that Gary Bettman would look for I Think he'd want more of a media darling out of the West <laughs> eastern Conference? That would me. My picks would be more palatable to him with Tampa being the, the pick. So, uh, some intrigue remains in in, your, in our minds then on the Eastern side, but on the West, I think we have a consensus in terms of what's going on off the ice. That's another thought that I want to end the show with AJ because it's going to be a shorter off season, and we've started to see things that move player movement there's been uh, the first trade that we talked about off the top and we saw our second international prospect recalling that Ilya Sorokin signed a one-year deal with the Islanders earlier on this summer Uh, Kirill Kaprasov a 2015 draft pick by the Minnesota Wild finally inks a two-year deal that We'll see him coming out of the KHL. The guy led that league with 33 goals and finished third in points with 62 and 57 games played. So, bringing the offense uh, sorely needed in Minnesota. Uh, this is the tip of the iceberg in terms of moves that we're going to see in the off-season. Uh, I know the ca- salary cap is not moving, but it's going to cause a lot of lot more transactions, player movement than I think we've, we've seen in years. And I can't wait to see how all that shakes down. So, not only are we on the cusp of the Cup finals, but we we will see even more off ice moves as the teams have this shorter window to get ready for next season I love the fact that hockey news happens throughout our calendar and I know you share that view
0: yeah absolutely I think the other really interesting thing and and some of these are probably flying under the radar because they're not not huge deals but um, we're seeing a lot of prospects being loaned uh, to European teams you know the AHL is is not expected to play until you know about the same time as the NHL. So, um, meanwhile, European leagues I think are set to to kick off around October, and so you can get guys playing for for a couple months. I think what's been most interesting about that is that the leagues that uh, a lot of these guys are going to, it hasn't necessarily been the big names, name ones. The KHL, the the DEL, um, you know, the SHL up in Sweden. Uh, we've been seeing a, a decent number of guys go to uh, the Austrian league, the NLA. And then the other one that I found really interesting uh, is actually the Swedish second tier teams uh, have been grabbing a lot of these guys. Now, look, the the reason that the top leagues aren't taking them is not because they can't play there, but who wants to build your elite level team with guys that are potentially going to head back to North America come November, December? it's certainly, you know, then you're kind of in a rut looking for for players. So the appeal for the, you know, kind of second tier of of teams is you get these top guys. And I think, honestly, you're looking at uh, potential draws for bringing in fans, uh, assuming they'll have fans. You know, I compare it to, you know, Tim Tebow playing minor league baseball. You got more butts in the seats because you want to see, you know, Tim Tebow play. I think you're going to see that from these second tier teams that maybe don't normally draw a lot of interest you know oh we've got this top nhl prospect (laughs) playing for us you know so it's been really interesting to see um, how that's all shaking out we've had a ton of these loan deals where guys are going to go they're going to play european hockey until uh, as i said november december rejoin their teams for training camp and then we'll see um, you know a lot of these guys could end up back there once uh, you know, once the training camps wrap up, if they don't secure spots on the 23-man roster, if the AHL doesn't end up playing. Um, so they could end up back in Europe again after those training camps. So what I'm hearing
1: is that you're going to be, be not only our, my side sidekick on the show, but our our foreign correspondent keeping us up to date with these international <laughs> leagues and so on. I, I'm going to put it on you, man. You, you seem to have a handle on all that stuff. And I can't wait to start those reports as a part of our shows. And uh, once the, <laughs> the Stanley Cup is decided here for a few weeks, we're going to be looking for, for different aspects to fill in. Maybe it's a series of columns that, you can also write up for the website so uh, uh, why don't you tell us what's going on with the website in terms of any feature articles in the works AJ at this point what's the outlook
0: yeah I know one of the biggest things you know that's going to be in the works probably not really for the postseason here but that our listeners can look forward to next season is that we're really going to be pushing a lot more of the sports betting content on the site you know as more and more states are um, legalizing sports betting, uh, we're going to be you know right there with it, providing uh, content across the the spectrum here. You know, for for a lot of years, football was really the only area where we had kind of a feature article about sports betting, um, and that is definitely changing as as the landscape changes as well. So I would encourage our listeners to check that out. If you've never, if you just listen to us because you love the sound of Paul and I, you know, talking hockey. I would encourage you to go rotowire.com slash free, F-R-E-E, and you can get set up with a 10-day trial to the site and and check out everything that we have to offer, um, you know, season-long content, DFS content, and now really uh, driving some sports betting content as well. And that's a nice segue into a reminder that we are
1: sponsored now by PropSwap, a leader in the sports betting field in terms of helping you with your options uh, once you've even made bets in in that space. So we wrap up this week's episode. We look forward to the beginning of the next round by the time we get back to you on our next episode, tentatively scheduled for next Tuesday. But keep an eye on our website, so please remember to send uh, on our profiles rather and and in linkedin and twitter and so on please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter specifically follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj shoals 24 as always we invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody